Welcome back to another episode of Help Me Find My Way. It is a beautiful but hot day here in Nashville. We had some some great weather for a while. It was kind of like a teaser, but I know that fall is coming and I'm super pumped about it. I had uh, so much fun co-piloting the last episode with Jeremy Passion. It was awesome to hear his story. Thank you for all of the feedback. A lot of you shared how helpful that episode was. Please never hesitate to tell me how helpful and awesome this podcast is. Your words of of affirmation, they, they mean a lot to me. So we are at episode five. Not going to lie, I'm super proud of myself for making it this far. Uh, thank you. Th- thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to keep this one a little shorter uh, just because I am in the middle of a crazy deadline working on multiple projects. Um, this will be more like like a check-in slash follow-up. Uh, the first half, I want to circle back on some topics that I discussed in episode three on stress and burnout. I'm very excited uh, to be able to share some of the positive things that I've learned and I'm applying and they're really helping, like it's really working. Um, and then other things that aren't. So I'll just give you like a, a progress report. And then the back half, uh, I want to share two experiences that I've had since the last episode that just really affirmed the journey that I'm on and they helped me out tremendously. I want to share those with you because I think they can help you too. With all that said, I'm recording this podcast in the midst of what I would just call a whirlwind of work. Um, I just released a single on Friday, uh, a song called Rain Down Reimagined. It's a remake of a song called Rain Down. It's one of five songs off of an EP that I'm releasing next Friday, September 24th, called Now Is Not Forever Reimagined. I remade five songs off of an old album that I released back in 2009. I mentioned it in episode three, you know, how it's taken me way longer to finish this than I planned. So it feels really good to finally be releasing this project. Uh, Also, though, uh, it requires a lot of like strategy and rollout and all these things. It's the 12 year anniversary of the original album uh, on the 22nd. And I've got all these uh, marketing and content ideas I'm stoked out of my mind about. So I'm in the middle of all that mayhem. But that leads me to the front half of this podcast. How am I able to do all of this when earlier this year I was so paralyzed I couldn't even finish the songs? So one of the biggest areas in my life that I need help finding my way is like I mentioned in episode three. It's time management, like making decisions on how to manage my time and what to focus on and what to finish and how to organize my ideas and how to set goals. Uh, Without that, I've just been constantly stressed. I haven't been able to meet goals, let alone even set goals. And so I mentioned at the end of that episode, this company called Commit Action. And shortly thereafter, I saw that they were half off for the month. So I just jumped on it. I just did it right away. I was like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to see how this works. And I have to say that it's been incredibly helpful. Like it's it's been a game changer. Now my month ended today and I decided to cancel just because personally 
um, I can't afford to spend that much money in this area of my life. So uh, I shifted into, you know, I'm going to pay somebody else to help market and help me keep accountable. But in the past 30 days, everything that I learned is just so groundbreaking that I'll be able to kind of take it with me. So here's kind of how it worked. Um, I had a, an accountability coach that I would check in every Monday. And before we started, I kind of had this like setup call and they really helped me articulate and prioritize long-term goals, then break those down into action steps that I could, you know, each week I was accountable to do certain tasks. And then they held me accountable to those. And my coach would say, it's feedback, not failure. So even if I couldn't get one of them done because I had a crazy week, we would look back and say, well, why couldn't I do that? And what what do we need to change? And we tried to set these goals that would stretch me and kind of push me, but also um, they were like realistic. And so one of the long-term goals that I have is to finish new songs, not the Now Is Not Forever Reimagined, but new songs for early 2022. And it's in the important but not urgent category. I have so many things that are urgent, you know, that I'm, that I'm working on all the time. And so I had just made a goal one week to work on one of the newer songs for five hours. This was a huge goal because every time I sat down and opened up this session and looked at this song and tried to start working on it, it just like crushed me. It was like, I, I can't tell you psychologically or what was going on. It was just, there were so many things to work on, decisions to be made, and jumping back into this song that I started, I just, it was crippling. So the goal of five hours just became the goal. And um, I set aside one day and I kind of like made a list of things I wanted to focus on. And and next, you know, one hour passed, two hour passed. Next thing I know, it had been five hours. And honestly, I probably worked on that song like 15 to 20 hours that week. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm not I'm not on this podcast like, oh my gosh, I found the secret, everybody. It's fixed. I'm healed. Like, I found my way. Um, I am excited because, you know, all of this work and all of this digging and searching um, I'm finding some some gold or I'm finding some answers that are helping. It's still hard, uh, but that was one thing that I could say that I'm going to implement in my life now, that I, I, it's settled. There's no questions asked. Like I have a calendar of deadlines, of release dates, and I work backwards from those. Another thing worth sharing uh, about their strategy that really helped me is um, Peter Shallard, he just talked about how a lot of the times we imagine what the goal will feel like when it's completely done, like when the mountain is climbed. And that's great to envision ourselves there. But it's just as valuable to cut that in half and say, okay, well, what would I feel like when I'm halfway there? All right, now cut half in half, you know, and then back all the way up to like 10%. And I, I started to do that with, with some of these songs. I was like, okay, well, what will it feel like when I'm like 10% done with this song? Like, it'll actually feel a lot better. Like, I'll have experienced a little bit of momentum. And too often, we put too much emphasis on passion and how we feel, especially for me when it comes to my art. 
And one more thing from Commit Action. I got a lot. <laughs> telling you, they're not paying me. They're not a sponsor. I paid them. Shoot. But uh, they shared this thought from Seth Godin out of this book called The Dip, or at least they got it from there, um, talking about uninformed optimism. So we start this journey, whether it's a hobby or a job or a business or whatever it is, and at first we're super excited because it's new and it's fresh. And he was explaining that every single business, every single venture naturally goes up this wave of optimism. It's exciting. It's new. There's all this passion. And then inevitably that goes back down and crosses the threshold into like realistic pessimism because it gets hard. It gets tough. It's almost unbearable down to the bottom, which they call the valley of despair. He said a lot of businesses stop there. And this is a cool way to kind of put a graph to a lot of the things that I start and stop because I'm operating out of passion. I start a song and I'm passionate about it and I have this like optimism, but then I have to write the second verse or the bridge. And by that time, I don't like the song anymore. And so now I'm in this valley of despair. And the last two parts are informed optimism and then success and fulfillment. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that, but it's a picture to say, hey, all of us are on this journey and there is going to be a time when our passion is depleted and we have to find ways to create habits or realistic time blocks, at least for me. You know, some of you might not struggle with this at all. You might just be crushing it and you don't need uh, an accountability coach. I'm telling you, I need somebody else outside of me not seeing my perspective for me to check in with, even though I know just as much maybe as they do, maybe not. That's arbitrary. That doesn't matter. But uh, for them to draw it out of me, if that makes sense. And so right now I would say I'm kind of coming up out of this valley of despair uh, in, in my career in, in approaching some of these things that they're, they're super overwhelming. And once I said yes to putting out music again, um, I would say that I had an informed pessimism based on my experience. I had real life experience and knowledge of what it is like to be in the music business and what it's like to have to keep creating and, and, and risking and, and pushing through. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of experienced pessimism for me to draw from. But there's also new models and new techniques and new things for me to grab a hold of. What's not working right now? Um, well, maybe I could say that I became so obsessed with moving forward that it's almost become impossible for me to be still. Like moving forward has just become such an idol because I was stuck for such a long time that I was just like, I have to make progress. And so to become so obsessed and consumed with that to the point where I can't rest or I can't sit still, that, my friends, is what leads to burnout. So I will say putting things down on a calendar, scheduling time for them, and having this accountability is helping me, and then having to create space so that I can chill. A few weeks ago, I attended a funeral for my best friend's sister. She passed away from COVID. She was, and I'll say is, because she lives in heaven now, a sweet, sweet soul, and she will be dearly missed. 
It was a beautiful service, and her family and friends did a phenomenal job honoring her. And as devastating as it was to lose her, there was a celebration of who she was in the midst of the mourning and loss. I was sitting in my seat, just processing everything, saddened, yet honored to be a part of their family, and and glad I didn't miss out on her, and that I could be a part of their lives, that I got to share that. Her oldest sister got up and began to read. There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, and a time to die. I teared up, thinking about everything, how temporary things are, how deeply we love each other, how fragile we are. You know, we get so caught up in this rat race that we literally forget how superficial most of this stuff is. It it also gave me hope in the moment. Like, we're inside of this thing called time, and there actually is purpose and order in it. I want to talk about this for a bit. This is out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And the word season here means appointed time. Like, there's nothing I can do about the appointed time for me to be born or to die. I don't control that. I mean, you could definitely say that how we live can affect our death, but that's way complicated not getting into that. Um, Then there's just simply the concept of time. Like, I can manage my time. You know, I can, like, control it in a way but I still have to let time play out. I can't speed it up or slow it down. And this is really helping me in my perspective of time. It also says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's literally a time for both. When I'm mourning, I feel like something's wrong. Like I got off track and I need to get back on track. There's probably a difference between depression and mourning, I would assume, like a fine line anyway. And I think there are times when I'm giving in to depression and I could be choosing to dance or celebrate and have joy. That's, that's very valid. But there may be a time legitimately for mourning and I could be in denial or just simply not want to feel those feelings. It goes on to say that there's a season for planting and a season for uprooting. An appointed time and an allotted time. Kind of like a destined time. But then my responsibility to to put it into practice and take action. Farmers understand this. Right now I'm in a season of planting. I'm investing a lot of time basically for unpaid work as of now. I second guess myself a lot. You know, I see other people making way more money than than I do and I question that. I wonder am I crazy for doing this? And this journey of finding my way Time is such a big component. How I perceive it, how I use it, how I learn to not just throw it away. But time can become an idol too. Like time management can become this obsessive compulsion where I'm either hoarding it or freaking out about it, like money. King Solomon, who wrote this, uh, goes on to say, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and may find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. There's a lot more in the Bible that helps balance this out. Like Solomon isn't saying, just as long as you're eating and drinking and satisfied, that's, that's the only goal in life. That's not the takeaway. 
But this is a reminder to enjoy life, to do good, and to find satisfaction in our toil. How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. This answer came to me in a super random way. It's called purpose. And I'm going to tell it to you after I take a break and lighten this up with a story. It's time for a story. Oh, it's time for a story. Kick back, relax, unwind, because it's story time. So freshman year of college, I went to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. I probably have a lot of stories from that year. It was just a really weird year of me, like, you know, I had left home. Uh, it was really this, like, eye-opening experience of, like, wow, I could, like, leave this college. And I don't even know if my roommates would even know. Like, they'd be like, where's that dude that was here, bro? Where'd he go? But <laughs> anyways, I registered for college in July, and we started in August. I didn't know where I was going to school until like mid-July. Um, and so I, I somehow discovered this school. I wanted to be on the East Coast because I loved hip-hop. I don't, that's probably not why. But, uh, my friend Dwayne went to Hampton. And I just, I wanted to be around diversity. And all the colleges that I had checked out, they just, I don't know what it was. I hadn't even visited the school. Like there was no time. My parents just drove me out there and <laughs> dropped me off. <laughs> I saw it in some like magazine booklet. It made no sense why I went there. Matter of fact, it was a commuter school. So everybody, as soon as they'd be like, hey, where are you from? I'd be like, Milwaukee. They'd be like, what are you doing here? It was the equivalent of UWM in Milwaukee where I finished, where everybody like commuted to. It wasn't like you, you, you just don't go to Old Dominion. Anyways, since I was so late registering, I didn't have a dorm room. I had to be like the third guy in this two-person dorm room, and I was living out of a suitcase my first half of my freshman year. Finally, I got into another dorm room, and uh, I was in like the, the swim team section. So like all the guys on the floor were on the swim team, and my roommate, uh, he would get up at like, 5 a.m. I would go to bed at 3 working on papers. He would wake up, go to class, do all his homework, come home, and I would like be just be waking up. Um, I just remember we watched Billy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore, or like Austin Powers. Every single day he'd have that on in the room. Every single day. The whole semester. Side note, I was in a gospel choir called Ebony Impact. That's right. I was the only white guy in there and we would like travel around and we we'd I would always sing Kirk Franklin uh, I know that I can make it and people would be like what was okay so but that's not the story. The story is actually silly. It, it like all these other stories are probably better, but I'm going with the original, the one that popped into my head. My roommate who um happened to let's just say throw up on my clothes multiple times i remember one night getting in like a shouting match he was like mad because i was like you are not getting on the top bunk we're taking this this bunk down you are not gonna throw up he like threw up in my laundry basket on my clothes so anyways this guy uh he liked to have fun and one night <laughs> i'm laying in bed and i hear this like little 
cartoon tiptoe shuffle, like 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 scatter across the room. And like with one eye open, I'm looking over. I'm like, what is going on? And I hear a door open, and I kind of can see like this silhouette. And I kind of see him like look one way, look the other way, and then I hear this like, and then he sprints back and gets up into bed. And then I just hear this, just I mean, fireworks going off. Okay. <laughs> then this guy runs to the door, and he's like, what happened? What? What? And our, our RA's running out. She's like half asleep. Just, um, and I do, actually don't even recall if the fire alarm went off. I really don't. Like, I remember so many details. That's the one that I forget. Did we leave the building? Did we stay? I don't even know. So a couple of days passed, and uh, I'm at, in the cafeteria with my buddies, and I'm telling them this story in just like full detail because it was hilarious. And uh, I'm just going, I'm elaborating on everything and <laughs> I will never forget I go up to my dorm room and I hear a knock and uh, it's my RA and she's like hey uh so and so overheard you telling a story would you like to fill me in on the details <laughs> oh my goodness I ratted out my uh roommate on accident and he had to do like a month of like community service or like picking up trash. And he came into the room and he looked at me. And he was like, what did you say? What did you do? And I'm like, don't be mad at me. You're the moron that threw fireworks in the hallway. <laughs> oh, man. College. All right. Uh, that took a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> Got a little carried away there. So with the time I have left, um, I want to talk about how the solution to uh, finding satisfaction in this toil and this laboring that I mentioned earlier is to find purpose. Like I said, this this came to me. I was in Milwaukee visiting my family, and I went to my dad's church, and they had a recorded stream of a pastor named Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. He was teaching a two-part series on depression. And I've posted the link in my show notes, and I would highly recommend you taking the time to listen to both of those. It's a phenomenal, balanced teaching on depression. And it's from a book he's released called Out of the Cave. Um, I am not going to try to repeat what he said but I, I need to say this. I was, I was sitting there listening and got so emotional because what he was sharing was literally everything that I feel like I've been going through uh, for, for a while now and that I've talked about in, in, in episode two and three. I felt so seen and so heard sitting there. It was so affirming. And, you know, I do question. I don't second guess starting this podcast, but I do question, you know, is this worth it? What am I doing? You know, all this sweat equity. What am I doing with my life? And to sit there and everything that I've been sharing openly and talking about for him to kind of be like just repeating basically the things that I've been saying and identifying the same core issue. So when I came home, I listened to the second part. And this is what I want to share. This is what jumped out at me. He gave a list of things that help us come out of the cave of depression. And one of the most important things on there was he, he said, redefining or finding purpose, finding meaning 
And he was quoting Viktor Frankl, who was a, a Jewish Holocaust survivor. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's super popular. I read it a while back. But one of the main points was that, you know, people have the means, but they just don't have the meaning. Like, we, people have enough to live by, but they don't have enough to live for. And grabbing hold of the meaning of my life, redefining, grabbing hold of the why, that, that keeps me from going through the motions and ending up in this cave of depression. Um, going back to the graph I talked about earlier about, you know, uninformed optimism, coming up out of that valley of despair, I, I think that, that the informed optimism that Peter Shallard was talking about that helps lift us up towards success and fulfillment is being reminded of our true purpose. So right now when I'm overwhelmed with the weight of all this work, I redefine my purpose and I say, there's a reason that I'm doing this. There's a purpose to this right now. This is going to help somebody. I'm here on purpose for a purpose. There's purpose in all this. Like this is going to make a difference. There's a, this, this is bigger than me. This is not just a task that I need to do just to check it off my list. And as I deal with the details and the minutiae, oh my goodness, this is so hard. How can I do this? As I try to find satisfaction in my toil, I'm reminded that like, hey, there's a purpose for all of this. There's a reason. Don't give up. All right, that wraps it up. Uh, I said this was going to be shorter, but apparently I'm a long-winded feller. (laughs) I like to chat. When I get going, it's hard to turn it off. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Um, If there's any way that you can help me make this podcast reach more people, uh, I would greatly appreciate that. But beyond that, wish you the best today, this week. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time.